0: You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production. Yeah, I came up through a very structured kind of organization where like, you know, you start off as a junior or a cat five. You kind of have to move up through the ranks in order to be able to just participate in the pro field. And then gravel racing, it's like anyone, anyone can be on the start line without any prior experience, which is like makes it a little bit sometimes kind of sketchy and dangerous because you have all these, you know, mix of abilities in, in the peloton. Um, It's also really fun because you just, you know, it it instantly gains. And I think, you know, endurance sports as a whole have kind of been very hard to kind of crack the nut and to get into it and to be, you know, a, a pro or an elite. And now all of a sudden anyone can, you know, have that opportunity at their first event.
1: That was Ian Boswell. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative And showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I am your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I sync up with world famous Ian Boswell. He is a gravel MTB and off road cyclist, the winner of Unbound Gravel in 2021, and a former World Tour Pro cyclist which he was between the years of 2010 and 2019. Ian is also the athlete liaison at Wahoo Fitness. And he is on his way in the next few weeks to Cape Epic and will be back at Unbound Gravel this year in 2023 as well. Ian and I caught up back in November and he was one of my first guests to really chat about gravel and dial me into the sport. Since then, I've learned a ton. I've been out on gravel and had lots of fun. I'm also planning a lot more gravel coverage on the podcast and headed to Unbound Gravel myself. Whether or not I will be racing is a whole other story. Before we dive in, shout out to our sponsors at Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. It transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science-backed nutrition recommendations you need to optimize your health. Get 20% off today at insidetracker.com slash Marney on the move. Also, shout out to series partners, Revitin. Revitin is my go-to when it comes to toothpaste and oral health. I have been using it for years. Revitin is a prebiotic toothpaste that is an all-natural, vitamin and mineral-rich formulation that gently cleanses, whitens teeth, and freshens breath while helping to restore gums and reduce harmful plaque. It's free of SLS, synthetic detergents, or additives and contains no harsh chemicals, fluoride, artificial colors, sweeteners, or dyes. Created by biologic dentist, Dr. Jerry Curatola years ago when he recognized the need for a new and effective oral care product that could support sustainable health within the mouth. Revitin fosters a balanced oral environment with beneficial microorganisms that optimize nutrient absorption and act as the body's first line of defense. The oral microbiome is the gateway to optimal full-body health. So make sure you take care of it with a great toothpaste that does not have fluoride or harmful chemicals. Get started now with Revitin Prebiotic Toothpaste. Use our code Marni15 at Revitin.com to jumpstart your health. That's M-A-R-N-I 1515 at Revitin, R-E-V-I-T-I-N dot com. Now, on to my conversation with Ian.
0: Um, It's mostly dirt roads, So gravel, you know, gravel bike was kind of the most ideal bike for, for the roads I have here and for training and riding and just enjoying, you know, being on my bike. And then in the spring of 2021, I did my first, uh, gravel race down in Bentonville, Arkansas. And I did well, I was like, I think second or third, I can't remember. Um, but the second ever gravel race I did was unbound 200, which is kind of the the crown jewel or the super bowl or the, you know, the Kona of, uh, of gravel cycling. And you know, I went in there with really low, not low expectations, but I had never done it before. It was 200 miles at the longest race I would ever done. Um, Yeah. And and I somehow, I don't say somehow won, you know, I clearly have a history of, you know, being a high level athlete, but I, I won the race, which was like completely surprising and a shock to me. And it definitely kind of pulled me back into being like, oh, I'm, I'm an elite athlete again, which wasn't really my mindset at the time. You know, I'd kind of spent a year and a half, like, you know, getting involved in a lot of other things back home and taking a full-time job. And, um, that-
1: do you need to have a pro card to compete in unbound gravel
0: no no and that's i mean i think that's the most at the time that was the most interesting and kind of intriguing thing about gravel to me was that there was no licenses there's no federation there's no organ i mean the the events are organized but anyone right. can participate um you know a lot of these events now are so popular that you have to enter a lottery to kind of get selected Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can be on the start line of Unbound with a former world champion, with someone who's never done a gravel race before, which I think is, you know, incredibly unique in, you know, a, a sport and a discipline that has so much attention and recognition if you win the race right. that, you know, someone someone could come from triathlon. You know, I, I think you said a lot of your listeners are triathletes. You know, Heather Jackson, yep. pro triathlete, did, did it, it this year, year for the first time.
1: Yeah, this year. yeah and, she,
0: and she yeah, and she was in second place until 50 miles to go in the women's event, um, she did the which, 200. Is, which is so cool. Yeah, she did the 200. And, you know, I think that's something so cool about it is that anyone can really kind of get a gravel bike, sign up for the event, you know, they get a lottery selection and they're on the start line with the best gravel racers in the world without having to kind of jump through hoops of, you know, selection or, you know, kind of moving up through the ranks.
1: Yeah, I was talking to Ruth Assel on the podcast because she, you know, she just competed in Kona, uh, the Ironman World Championships, and she came in first place. I don't know exactly all, what medal she got, but in the British gravel races and, you know, she was not a pro cyclist, she's a pro triathlete. So I guess in gravel, it, because in cycling, you need to have a pro card, like in road cycling.
0: Yeah, you do. And I mean, I think that's one of the things, you know, I came up through like a very, yeah, I came up through a very structured kind of organization where like, you know, you start off as a junior or a cat five, and you kind of have to move up through the ranks in order to be able to just participate in the pro field. And in gravel racing, it's like anyone, anyone can be on the start line without any prior experience, which is like, makes it a little bit sometimes kind of sketchy and dangerous because you have all these, you know, mix of abilities in, in the Peloton. Yeah. Um, but it's also really fun because you just, you know, it, it instantly gain, And I think, you know, endurance sports as a whole have kind of been very hard to kind of crack the nut and to get into it and to be, you know, right. a, a pro or an elite. And now all of a sudden anyone can, you know, have that opportunity at their first event.
1: So what do you love about gravel and racing in this sport?
0: I mean, it's changing a lot. Um, you know, it, it's becoming more competitive. It's becoming more serious. Um, but I guess what I enjoy the most is it kind of takes me back to when I was like 13 years old and I first started racing and like I'm I'm very much dependent on myself, you know, when in, in the world tour for seven years and even prior to that when I was on development teams, you know, you have a mechanic and you have a chef and you have, you know, someone to do your laundry and like which is a great lifestyle and you don't have to do anything um, other than ride your bike. But I love the kind of independence of gravel racing. It's like, you know, I'm pumping up my tires, I'm filling up my bottles. I'm like, it's very, there's a lot of like strategic planning that goes into your, into your, you know, event that you have to think about, you know, and I guess I don't like necessarily, um, you know, having, you don't have an excuse If, if you did something wrong, it's solely on yourself. You know, you didn't prepare your bike, right. You didn't, you know, dial in your nutrition it's kind of solely on you which i really enjoy that kind of independence of of gravel racing and the the camaraderie the community you know winning has become more important and i guess more kind of sought after mm-hmm. um but personally i guess my kind of experience so far has been like the the journey and like the process and you know just finishing the race with you know some buddies even if we're sprinting for the for the win you know the win isn't the ultimate goal it's more just being out there and kind of having the shared experience an event like unbound that's you know 10 hours you're going to kind of get to a different place mentally after 10 hours than you would in a, you know, 90 minute, 90 minute criterium or something.
1: Right. And how did you get into cycling in the first place? Like when did that start for you?
0: Uh, Pretty young, actually. My dad was a professional triathlete back in the eighties. I grew up in Bend, Oregon. So, you know, a town that more so now than ever is, you know, definitely an endurance hotbed. So it was pretty easy for me to kind of get into the sport and having parents that knew about the sport, you know, I guess once I could fit onto my mom's road bike, Um, I think I was 10 or 12 was when I first started kind of racing on the road. But prior to that, I had done BMX racing and then mountain bike racing. Um, And I'd played American kind of basic sport, you know, basketball, football, baseball up to that point. But I guess when I found cycling, you know, I did well at, you know, kind of pretty much from the onset. And it also allowed me this freedom to just like, I could get home from school, run home from the bus, jump on my bike and be gone for an hour and a half or two hours. And, you know, I guess I had my own ability to kind of, improve and not like be reliant on a team you know at that age it's like cool if you put in the work you can get better and I really enjoyed that process of like if I put in the work I can get better I'm not relying on you know my teammate showing up for practice or you know all these other variables that you you do have with team sports
1: right and so and then and so how did you get into road cycling
0: there was a race that happened in Bend that I think for a while was the longest running stage race the Cascade Cycling Classic and they had a kid's race one year Um and I jumped into that and it was the first time I could kind of fit onto my mom's road bike, you know, that the seat yeah. all the way slammed and, you know, was finally able to fit on her road bike and um jumped in the kid's race. And I won that, you know, there's 10 kids in the race or something. And I guess, you know, this was also in the era of, you know, kind of the Lance Armstrong era when we were watching right. Americans win the Tour de France and, you know, being successful over in Europe. And so I was like instantly kind of captivated by like, Oh wow. Like if someone else from America did this, I can do this. Um, of okay. course that's, you know, a little bit naive now thinking about that, but. but
1: you did end up riding in the Tour de France, right? So.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, so I guess it kind of just grew naturally. You know, I first started racing locally and then kind of racing statewide in Oregon and then going to nationals and then being picked up by the national team and racing internationally. Um, Being that, that was a long process from the age of 12 until I guess when I was 21 and finally got picked up by a, a professional team.
1: So it's a lot of work to get to that place that seems so easy, but you have to dream big.
0: Yeah, you do. And you make, I mean, you make a lot of sacrifices on the way and, you know, still, I speak to, you know, young riders all the time and they ask me like, Hey, what's the secret? Who do I need to speak to to get a pro contract? And it's like, the, the truth is like, there's no sacrifice for hard work. And like the work you put in is kind of what you get out. And, you know, it's, I mean, I know the sacrifices I made, you know, the amount of times I spent, you know, Christmas alone over in Europe, because, you know, I needed to be training and, you know, where I grew up in Bend wasn't necessarily conducive to winter riding and, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I made a lot of sacrifices, none of which I regret, you know, I got to kind of live out my childhood dream, but you do, it is, it is your life and more so now in endurance sports. And we just saw Kona and, you know, record times. It's like, you know, the sport is continuing to accelerate. And in order to be the best, like you have to live it, you know, 365 days a year.
1: Yeah, it's so true. And so how, how is the training different for you obviously the terrain is different between road and gravel, but like in terms of your day-to-day training and preparing for these events.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny, you know, I just mentioned how kind of being an athlete 365 days a year is what it takes to be an elite athlete now. And I'm the complete opposite of that. Now, you know, I've got, I've got a full-time job. I've got a wife, I've got a kid. I'm on the volunteer fire department. My wife and I organize our own gravel event. We have a you know big property here I'm taking care of. So I'm not as focused on my training. Um, which is funny and in, in a way it's almost like allowed me to be a better athlete because I'm not just sitting around twiddling, twiddling my thumbs, thinking about my next training ride. I'm like, Oh sweet. I've gotten two hours to you know sneak out and get, get a ride in.
1: Right. Cause 200 um, miles is nothing for you. Right.
0: I mean, I, I, there's no denying that like my history of having trained at, you know, the world tour level and putting in, you know, 30, 35 hour training weeks on the bike has helped me, you know, yeah, kind of able to trade. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But I, You know, I, I guess a lot of it is just like kind of, you know, residual fitness from back in the day, but I still do, you know, as I kind of get closer to the key events of the year, you know, I will ramp up my training and, you know, be a bit more focused and strategic about like, Hey, I need to try to get, you know, some 20 hour weeks in on the bike, um, but it's, you know, and I guess I've been doing it long enough now that I kind of know what I need to do to get ready. And, you know, having done Unbound twice now, I can kind of like compare like, hey, you know, what did I do last year kind of running up into this event? But, you know, how could I be better? What kind of weaknesses did I have? Um, but I mean, again, a lot of it is just a lot of it is just time and, you know, finding that time to to ride and to train and to, you know, I guess now with a with a child recover as well, which is you know the hardest thing.
1: How has being a new dad impacted or affected how you train and how you race?
0: I mean, it definitely, it definitely has. I mean, I think it's, you know, you're just, you're just busier, Um, you know, and I've always kind of been an efficient trainer. You know, if I have three hours to go ride, I'm going to ride for three hours. I'm not going to stop at a coffee stop for a coffee shop for two hours and hang out and, you know, have a couple of cappuccinos. Um, So it's made me become more efficient. You know, I've also, I guess, more so now recently, you know, when I was racing on the road, I would take this long off season, you know, take, you know, a month off the bike and kind of, you know, just really unwind. And I kind of find myself now being more of like a year round athlete. It's not always cycling, you know, backcountry ski, I'll run, I'll, you know, kayak, I'll do some other things just to stay fit. So I don't really drop off as much, which makes it kind of easier to kind of build back up fitness. Um, But yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess the time is the biggest thing that I've noticed with with yeah. my daughter, and I guess you know since I've come to gravel, you know one of the things I don't want to do following my you know road career of crashes and concussions is I don't want to crash. You know having a daughter makes me even more cautious, and yep. you know you know being aware of you know the risks that we take. Um, so you know that's kind of my number one goal is to finish every race with all my skin you know intact, not yes. calling my wife from a hospital again. <laughs>
1: no. I mean, I just I always think about that. And I I have some friends who were really into cycling and in later years, like have gotten more nervous just because they do have kids and they they worry. I don't know if it's like a combination of having kids and getting older.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I mean, the unfortunate reality of. Cycling is that there is an inherent risk of of riding. Um, I have found that gravel, in a sense, is safer oftentimes because you're on quieter roads, which I guess you know can still be dangerous. um, You know, because maybe drivers aren't expecting cyclists. But you know, where I live, they're incredibly quiet roads. You know, and I, you know, I guess oftentimes when cars see me, they're kind of surprised to see a cyclist, so they're maybe a bit more aware, and the roads are pretty windy. Um, you know, also another thing with, you know, just gravel bikes, you have a bigger tire, you have disc brakes, you know, you do have a, a, a bike that oftentimes is a little bit more forgiving than a road bike. You know, you are going fast, but you're maybe not hitting the same speeds you'd be hitting on, you know, a triathlon bike or a time trial bike. Um, you're in this contorted. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, I'm super curious about gravel. I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, depending I mean, a lot of the modern road bikes that do have disc brakes do have like enough tire clearance for like a smaller gravel tire. Like um, and you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, third, I mean, ideally at least a 30 or 32. I usually, I'm pretty much ride only a 42 mil tire now on, on my gravel bike, you know, and I guess it's kind of this, you know, I guess living in Manhattan people, you know, I get the same question from people all over the place. Oh, I don't live where somewhere where there's gravel and, you know, gravel doesn't necessarily look like Emporia, Kansas with these, you know, giant gravel roads or like where I'm at in Vermont, where everything's gravel. It's kind of like, just a mix of surfaces, you know, so it'd be taking let's say you had a gravel bike, you know, it'd be kind of, you could ride through the city, you could go to central park, you could, you know, do a combination of bike path of like some single track of, you know, kind of really it's anything. I mean, and I guess that's a cool thing with gravel bikes now is that they are essentially a bike that can go anywhere. You know, of course, you're not going to take it off a big jump on a downhill mountain bike course, but you know, a lot of these gravel races now are incorporating some single track or bike paths or, you know, through a field. You know, so it's kind of just a mix of like, hey, these bikes can handle pretty much anything, and yeah. so now you're able to kind of ride anywhere. You know, ideally places with you know less traffic because you're all of a sudden allowed to kind of get off the beaten path of of the main roads right. and explore some different areas.
1: Right. So in, number one would be to to either to the, have a gravel bike. That's like number one.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean the bikes are just they're so capable now, yeah. which is like such. I mean, and I'm sure there's a place you could you know rent one or demo one yeah. or try one out. Totally. Um, yeah. But it, it is just, it's fun because it allows you, I mean, I'm sure when you leave out for to go for a ride at the moment, yeah. you take the same way out, the same way back. And all of a sudden you can say, oh, I can like take this bike path and I can jump through this like single right. track section or I can go on the sidewalk. And it's just a bike that's a little bit more capable of kind of taking you a different route than you would normally ride.
1: You know, in terms of unbound gravel, which is what I do have my eye on that race, but not 200. Yeah. <laughs> I would do – because I have no idea what to expect, you know, and I think that would be my first, like, real ride. So probably, like, the 60 – there's different distances.
0: Yeah, well, there's a 60-mile, 100-mile, 200-mile, and there's actually also a 350. Um, oh, wow. Which is more – it's more like a bike It's still a race, but it's more, you know, they ride through the night. So you need kind of, you have to pack your own kind of food and lights and all that, which is a whole nother beast. You know, my buddy said, yeah, the Unbound's great. It's like miles too long. I mean, 100 miles is still a long way to ride. So it is a long um, way. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's also like the other thing that I noticed about these gravel events is that like they're not catered like an Ironman event where there's not, or like a ride that a normal 100 mile road ride where they have lots of, Food stops and aid stations, right? It's, it's, I mean, not that you stop for food when you're racing, but.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, and and Unbound is unique in the sense that like the 200 mile, we do have like a support crew, but most of the other events, you know, there's aid stations, there's, you know, there are, are, there's food stops, which is, you know, and I guess it really allows, and maybe I've never done a marathon, but kind of similar to that mindset uh, where you have people who are going as fast as they possibly can. But for other people, the accomplishment is simply just finishing. Yeah. And they want to stop at the aid stop and have, you know, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a, you know, shot of maple syrup or whatever it is, you know, so for them, they're riding with their friends and it's like a, it's a challenge, which is so cool. And you get this unique energy of these events when you have this high performance side, but you also have this, you know, social side to the events, which is a really cool combination to have, you know, for some people just finishing is like, you know, that's all they've been training for. That's all they've been preparing for is just to make it to the finish line, which is so cool for athletes at the front who are trying to optimize everything to also realize that, hey, some people are just trying to get to the finish line. Um, It's It's really cool to see.
1: I was going to say, it's so cool that athletes of all levels can get together and share like this passion over doing a gravel ride. Do you compete in any of the other gravel events or that Lifetime? I know Lifetime recently took over a lot of the gravel events. So yeah.
0: Yeah, they started a series. Um, I did not participate in that this year just because we had a newborn child and I wasn't sure what my schedule was going to be in availability. Um, but yeah, I've done like seven, seven or eight gravel events this year. There's a couple here in Vermont that I've done. I've been up to, to BC and Canada this year. I've been to steamboat, Colorado. It's just in Hiko, uh, sorry, in Pueblo, Texas. I did, or Pueblo, Colorado. Then I was a different event by the same organizer down in Heiko, Texas. Um, so there's events all over the place, you know, and which is cool to see that, you know, from, from Manhattan, there's plenty of events up in Massachusetts and Vermont. Right. I saw there was um, one in
1: Vermont, yeah.
0: Yeah, so they're all over the place, you know, and I guess it's, you know, allowing people all over the country to kind of, you know, design and, and, and start their own events, which is really cool to see the growth of it. you yes. know, Because it's very hard to, you know, with a triathlon, with a road race, it's really hard to get permitting to close, you know, paved roads and you need police officers and, and the gravel events a lot of times, you know, because they're not a sanctioned event. You know, they can speak with the town and say, hey, you know, the riders are going to follow the rules of the road. They're going to stop at the stop signs, ideally. Yeah. Um, but they, but, you know, you can kind of host an event anywhere in, in, in a more rural area. just so much easier to, to host an event than it is in a big city.
1: So you, so you're like doing what you love. You're riding gravel, you're competing in the sport, which is, you know, back to cycling. And then you're also organizing your own gravel ride. You just mentioned earlier in our conversation and you work at Wahoo.
0: Yeah, I've got a lot going on. Um, <laughs> so, what do you
1: do at Wahoo? Like, what's your role at Wahoo, and how do?
0: You, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, so I work in the marketing department, um, and I guess the main thing I do would be like I manage all of our—not all, but most of our like athlete and team relationships. So, I guess kind of like a liaison, um, mm-hmm. which is a cool position. You know, I didn't go to university or college for a degree in marketing or you know business management. Um, But I guess just through my experience of having been a racer, you know, Wahoo kind of saw this unique opportunity of like, hey, he's got experience and maybe he also sees a little bit of the athlete's perspective. When you have someone who just comes through business school, you know, they see the business side of it, but they maybe don't always see the like applicable side to what athletes will do, want to do, you know, are able to do. Um, So it's kept me, it's kept me busy. You know, it's a great way to like still stay connected with people who I race with in the world tour. You know, I get to connect with, you know, pro triathletes who I'm you know always fascinated with. Um, I do have this weird kind of, uh, situation where the, some of the athletes that we sponsor and who I kind of manage, I also race against, you know, and it's always yeah. funny to like find myself in the front group of someone who I'm by no means am I their boss, but I'm, I guess one of the brands that supports them to do what they do. And yet we're in the same race together going head to head.
1: Like Heather Jackson. Um,
0: yes. Like Heather, um, who I love, which is, by the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She's, yeah, awesome. no, she's, she's been awesome. on the podcast a few times. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I also do run a podcast um, with Wahoo as well. And, you know, I kind of do a lot of different things. You know, it's it's a big company, but, you know, we still kind of, you know, we help each other out a lot. I get pulled into different projects that we're doing, whether it's product testing or development or, you know, I've done some of the, um, you know, product training videos just because I'm super familiar with the products because yeah. I, I use them all the time. Um, now, were you so, yeah, using do- Wahoo
1: before you started working there?
0: I was. Yeah. So uh, when I, yeah, yeah. so I actually went go-karting with the founder Chip Hawkins back in 2013. They were the first, (laughs) yeah, well, the first team they sponsored was Team Sky. And, um, you know, I was one of the few Americans on there. So I kind of, you know, connected with, you know, with Chip right away when he came over to a team camp in Spain. And then when I was at Katusha, Wahoo was also a sponsor there, you know, so I was super familiar with the brand and I'd been, you know, familiar with the products and, you know, kind of as, as the American on the team, you know, was always willing to, you know, kind of give feedback to, to Wahoo as, as products were developing and kind of coming to, coming to market. Um, Cause ultimately, you know, you get the best feedback in these, you know, high pressure, you know, kind of high, you know, yeah, high performance races. And mm-hmm. so as an athlete, I was able to kind of, you know, give them some feedback from, from my side of things, which, you know, eventually gets implemented into the products. And um, yeah, so I had a good relationship with Wahoo and then was able to, you know, well, I guess now I have a, have a job here.
1: Yeah, and they just announced, uh, they just dropped the, the Rome bike computer, right? Yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Can you talk about it or?
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's the latest edition of, of the Element bike computer series. Um, you know, and things just keep getting better and more advanced. And I guess that's one thing that people should know about gravel events. A lot of these courses are unmarked. You know, So there's no course marshals, there's no signs. So a bike computer is even more important. You know, without your, without your walk, because
1: that's like, that's like the worst thing. One of my worst qualities is that I cannot, and now that I, I, now I have the Wahoo, but I could not read, I I should wear glasses when I ride my bike. I'll probably take this on the podcast to be honest. It's like, I can't see. So I can see far away, but I can't read. I can't read GPS. I like, I'm horrible. I have zero confidence in my ability to navigate myself anywhere and it might be because I live in Manhattan and so it's so easy for me to know how to get around but like I'm not and that's probably why I've never done gravel it's like I'm not gonna like off-road somewhere by myself and get lost like that's just like my biggest nightmare so yeah well yeah I mean I guess (laughs) I I need to find a friend who will need the gps (laughs) that's my that's my current mo
0: (laughs) yeah yeah. Well, and I guess that's kind of the, the amazing thing with technology now yeah. is that, you know, you do have this access to, you know, to be able to see a climb that's coming up or to see the turns that are coming up. And it's one thing that I first found in, I guess, 2016. Um, I was at a race in Spain and one of my teammates was just flying down this hill. And oftentimes you don't see a course ahead of time. You know, you're doing a multi-day race. It's impossible right. to recon the whole race. And he was going super fast down this hill. I'm like, how are you going? Like, how do you know that this turn is going to open up? And it was the first time that people started using on the road The bike, you know, the GPS bike computer to actually see what's coming, you know, and I think it's a lot, you know, people should do some experimenting with like, you know, what's the best kind of zoom in rate, you know, I usually keep mine at like 2000 feet, because I can see something coming up, but I also am not going to miss a turn, especially if you're in Manhattan, Yeah, you might need to be even more zoomed in because the blocks come so quickly.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. you know a lot of the gravel events you yeah. have you know a turn you have a turn every seven miles so you know they might not they might be the only road after seven miles so it's pretty easy to see you know the the element roams you know end bolts you know they have notifications well it'll beep at you it'll pop you know show light so you're like oh it's beeping i should get ready to make a turn it's telling me something
1: i'm coming around to the gps but it's just slow going because i'm nervous now the like the wahoo is so dialed that gps is so advanced now
0: yeah i mean you know because i'm always traveling i'm always riding in new areas so i get yeah. to a new place i'm like where do i go oh i have no idea you know but oftentimes now whether it's with strava whether it's right. with Garmin gps commute like you can you can Ryman pick a route
1: GPS.
0: yeah yeah so you can pick a route in a location you can just search hey here's where i am i want to do a 30 mile ride and you can like simultaneously and instantly upload it to your bike computer so like cool i don't have to think about you know am i going to ride through the you know the wrong end of town and be stuck in traffic and it'll give you a route. And then equally now with Wahoo, that's pretty cool. Is like you can have, you know, it'll, it'll reroute you. So let's say you take a wrong turn. Or let's say there's a construction project. You know, you can intentionally go off course or unintentionally and it'll reroute you back to the course in a bike-friendly way as well. You know, so equally if I'm, you know, if I decide to, you know, ride out of town somewhere, you know, I'm 30 miles out of town, I can, you know, click through the screen and say, hey, you know, retrace to start or, you know, return to start. And it'll give me a bike-friendly way to get back to where I started from. Which is a great thing to have because, you know, we've all spent countless hours, you know, trying to find out where we think we came from and we're, you know, happen to be riding the wrong direction for that an hour and a half.
1: Happened to a friend of mine when we were in Utah for Ironman World Championship. She went out on a bike ride and followed a path and I don't know what she was using. And then she had to get a ride back because the road, she was on a road bike. So she was on a gravel road and then she had to get a ride back because the regular road ended and she couldn't ride her bike on through the
0: gravel. Yeah, um, I mean it's amazing. It's funny to hear someone, you know, say that they're like they don't trust their bike computer or they, they're just not familiar with it because like I literally every ride I, I use like, swear like by it. I'm well I mean I mean there's I'm not necessarily always staring at it but I'm like the information I can get as well, whether it's speed or time, you know, notifications. You know, sometimes I'm, you know, playing hooky from work and you know I'm out on a lunch ride and yes. like, well, I can this is an important email. I should stop and get back to this.
1: Yeah, I lose um, it for that. It's, I don't know what it is about yeah. the directions. I'm the same way with the car though too. Like, I've re- yeah. I, like I had to drive, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm pretty adventurous, but I had to drive to Maine and I like had to, you know, from New York. So it was like a six, seven hour drive. And I'm so used to driving with my partner and like at least having someone like tell me even if we have GPS and navigation or just someone in the car. And I drove, I took my dog and we like drove to Maine. (laughs) I'm like, this work, I did it. Like, wow. You know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I guess even, even now, like, you know, I live in a place where I've ridden most of the Well, you're from Bend too. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess even now that I find myself, if I have like an important training ride, I know I'm going to go do an 80 mile ride really hard. I'll still make a route and upload it to my bike computer just because- it also gives me kind of practice for the events, you know, yes. just to you know, to be familiar with the map, but you know, also in the data field, you know, I can click through and say, okay, how many miles do I have to go? And I'm kind of thinking like, Oh, well I've got 20 miles to go I'm moving at 20 miles an hour. I'll be home in an hour. Yeah. Um, that's, so it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's nice for that as well.
1: There's a lot, there is like the bike computers are awesome. And I feel like every single person that's listening to this or that I know has one, but there is a little bit of a learning curve, like getting to know your bike computer and, also getting used to using it on your bike. I mean, obviously, you know, it's not a new concept. Like, bike computers have been around forever, but they're getting super advanced and high tech, and I think, you know, that part of it, which is wonderful and amazing, as we're saying, you know, you can, like, off-road and get your – find your way back, like, no problem with this advanced GPS, but at the same time, like, you need to practice that. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I mean, there's so many other features now, you know, I mean, I I don't know if you have a coach or anything being oftentimes now people have a coach and they're, you know, or you're using an app that's giving you, you know, some type of training program. And so with the, with the new bike computer with the element realm, you know, you can now, you know, put your workout onto your bike computer. So it'll, you know, essentially, because sometimes you have a workout with 15 different intervals and you have a piece of paper in your pocket and you're forgetting what you're supposed to do and how much rest and how much, you know, interval time. Mm -hmm. And so now there's like a whole screen for that. If you, if you choose and if that's helpful to you, we're like, essentially just says, Hey, your, your 10 minute interval starts in 30 seconds and then beeps you down to go. And then, Hey, now you have five minutes recovery. So like, you don't even have to like, you know, you don't have to pull your yeah. phone or a piece of paper to constantly remind yourself what was the workout again. And
1: you that's know, why and, and I mean, essentially like the whole Wahoo designs, ecosystem you know. works with like Training Peaks and Today's Plan and all those programs.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I so mean- the last thing, you know, also yeah, we use we use System. Um, so with, with System X, you know, you can now upload workouts straight from System onto your bike computer, which you know typically and traditionally were workouts that you would do inside on on the kicker or the kicker bike. Okay. But now you can push them to the oh, that's to cool. the Rome. And you can, you can see those workouts outside, um, which is, you know, just one more way to like, you know, stay motivated. I think sometimes, you know, it's easy if you get out there and you, you know, digging through your pocket, trying to remember the workout, like, oh, I'll just go home, you know, but now it's like, Hey, it's there. It's accessible. You know what to do. You know where to go and you're ready to ride.
1: That's cool. I can't wait to check it out back to gravel. What, um, what races are you planning to do in 2023?
0: Uh, I mean, I guess Unbound as far as like a performance side will be kind of the, that's still the the biggest race. Um, I'm actually looking at maybe going to South Africa in March for a multi-day mountain bike race called Cape Epic. Oh, Um, I've heard of that. It's been a long time since I've done a mountain bike race. Yeah, Um,
1: that's Ironman, right? They own that? It
0: is, yeah, Yeah. it is Ironman group. Kind of, I mean, something completely different, but you know, I have an Australian friend who kind of said, you actually do it in team. So you, you do it with another rider and you kind of have to stay within a certain time of your teammate. Um, so it's something different, unique and, you know, completely out of my wheelhouse. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then I want to try to get over and do some of the events in Europe, you know, gravel was kind of born and kind of started here in the U S but slowly it's expanding to to different parts of the world. So, um, yeah, it'd be cool to get over to Europe and there's a new race up in Finland and there's some stuff in Belgium and, you know, just to kind of see what, you know, what gravel looks like in, in different areas. Because like I said, gravel, people have in their mind that it looks like, you know, Kansas or Nebraska, but it's like right. there, there are dirt roads and farm tracks and, you know, little lanes all over the world. And, you know, they're very different than what we have here in the U.S. And yeah, it'd be cool to experience some of that.
1: So it sounds like you love traveling and exploring and adventuring.
0: I do love it. I guess as I get older, I, you know, I spend a lot of time traveling. <laughs> um, so, no, I mean, it's cool to like see different parts of the world. I always love coming home, especially now with a with daughter. I know that, you know, I probably won't be doing this forever where I'm, you know, jet setting around the world. Yeah. Um, but I do love to, you know, just see new areas. And I feel like there's no better way to see a new area than, you know, riding a bike or going for a run. You know, you really get to, you know, see things and smell things and hear things in a, you know, more human way than you do in a car or a motorcycle or train. Right. So yeah, I mean I feel incredibly fortunate that I've got to see a lot of the world on two wheels.
1: And how do you feel, you know, what are some lessons that you've learned from your world of professional cycling that you brought into your career, which wasn't, you know, you just started like working at Wahoo, right? Like a couple of years ago, but you know, what are some things that you like take from your cycling and comp- competition and pro tour to your day-to-day work now?
0: <sighs> oh, probably a lot. Um, <laughs> I guess I still hold like pretty high standards for myself. And I think it was probably just ingrained in me from, from racing at that level where, you know, you're kind of your own boss at the, you know, and if you're any professional endurance athlete, like if if you kind of, you know, if you fail to put in the work, you're going to suffer and you're going to, you know, slowly fizzle away from the sport. Um, So I tend to, you know, I don't say I overachieve, but I tend to stay really, I, you know, I'm very quick to like respond to things and like, you know, be active with, with my work and, you know, engage, which is great. Sometimes I find myself working far beyond what, uh, the hours recommended are, but, yeah. you know, equally Wahoo's great because it sometimes lets me, you know, well, it oftentimes lets me get out for a ride in the middle of the day. Cause I know I can put in some work, you know, late at night or early in the morning or on a weekend here and there. Um, because then I get to go out and, and ride. And I think, you know, one thing I guess I've learned, uh, that I've brought from, you know, my, world tour experience to this is like, you know, it's also, you know, to not be afraid to like share your opinion about things, you know, and it's sometimes for me, when I first joined Wahoo, I was like sometimes a little bit apprehensive to say something because I was like, I don't have experience, like, I don't have a job, you know, a degree in, in marketing or in business. So like, is anyone really going to listen to me? Um, but that everyone has a unique life experience and like everyone's opinion and kind of perspective is, is valued.
1: Yeah. Agreed. That's a great. And what about from, From work, I mean, now that you're kind of like back to racing and racing gravel, like, is there anything you learned on the job that you took to your gravel?
0: You know, to not overly stress things. I think when I was racing at the world tour level, you know, like that was my life and you're just constantly sitting around thinking about it. Um, And one thing I have learned from work is like work never ends. You know, like there's always another email. There's always like it's just constantly coming in, which is just that's just the world we live in. Um, you know, and I'm reminded from my boss regularly, like, Hey, we're not an emergency room. We're not saving lives. Like,
1: right. Well, you're also a firefighter (laughs) as well. Yeah. That's true. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Get it done. Um, But I guess, you know, and I guess that's a good reminder for, for racing is that like, Hey, there's always another race. Like you could always do one more race, but it's like, sometimes you just have to be content with, you know, the work you've done and be like, Hey, you know what? I did the best I could today or in this event or at work. And, you know, I'm just going to like, some days you have off days, you know, and, and that's okay. And, you know, there, there'll always be another opportunity.
1: So why why did I see that you don't live in Vermont anymore, right?
0: I do live in Vermont. Yeah, I grew up in Oregon and now I live oh, in Vermont. so yeah. you're,
1: you're local. Uh, cl-
0: close to you, yeah. I mean,
1: I feel like anything, like I talk to so many yeah. people on the West Coast, Oh, so did you do that ride up in Vermont? That was I've just... done a couple
0: events. Yeah, yeah. The, well, I did Raspberiza this spring and then uh, Ted King has an event called Rooted, which was in the end of July, and then uh, the Vermont Overland was end of August. And then my wife's event was and I's event was two weeks ago, the Peach and Fall Fondo.
1: So okay, cool. And so your so your wife also is an athlete?
0: Uh, she has a bike. She will ride. We actually just picked up our daughter from childcare today, um, on our bikes, on our e-bikes. Um, Yeah. yeah, so she, I mean, she has a bike she'll ride for fun, which is like a good reminder. And I guess it's been, you know, a good reminder for me that like cycling doesn't always have to be competitive. Um, you know, she, she's, she'll happily go out for a ride for, you know, 60 to 90 minutes. She doesn't race. She doesn't do any of the big events and, but she loves to get out and ride on a nice day. With a purpose. Like, hey, let's go pick up our daughter. Let's go get an ice cream. or Let's go to the farm stand. Um, But she's not – I wouldn't say she's like an avid, yeah, cyclist who's training for anything.
1: Does she come with you to these events?
0: Sometimes, yeah. I mean, when I was in the world tour, not so much because we're kind of – uh, roped off from the public and family, you know, we're in the team hotel and we have a team dinner and all that, right. but now with, with, with kind of the gravel scene, it's much more open. You know, I book my own accommodation or I'm at an Airbnb or at a hotel. And, you know, it's, it's great to have, you know, my family come along for, for some of the events, um, mm-hmm. you know, the amount of travel I do, it's impossible for them to come to all of them, but it has been nice to have, have them at the, the start and finish of some of the events I've done this year.
1: That's awesome. That's super cool. Well, I'm psyched to see you back at Unbound and hopefully I'll be there. Do you have any recommendations for gravel bikes?
0: Um, there's a lot of bikes out there. I mean, I ride specialized bikes. Yeah, um, okay. And I love – I'm on the specialized – I guess the bike I ride the most is the Diverge because it has like a little – it's called the Future Shock. So it's a small amount of suspension okay. underneath the stem. So it, it does make your ride a lot smoother. Um, mm-hmm. And for someone like yourself or myself who doesn't come from like a mountain bike background, yeah, you feel just a lot more confident yeah. <laughs> when you have – when your tire is actually on the ground and you're not getting, you know, chattered with washboard. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's so many gravel bikes out there that are constantly, you know, kind of coming to market and, and they just be, keep becoming more, you know, more efficient, more race focused, you know, more comfortable. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely something that you can put a bigger tire in makes a huge yeah, difference. Like the you the 42, know, with this, with... You
1: said you're on 42s.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So anything with more tire clearance and tire volume is, is huge.
1: All right. Well, maybe I'll see you at, bound, or hopefully maybe i'll see you before in vermont
0: yeah <laughs> gotta get let me my... know if you come up this way
1: i will i have to get it together if i really i'm really like i really do want to um do some gravel riding and i do need to figure out like what I'm, when how where all those things but until then yeah. i'll be out on my road bike
0: yeah well you've got my email if you ever uh, yeah. need any questions or tips or anything feel free to hit me up
1: back to where we started with breakfast with boz who are some guests that Lined up, or are you just sort of like turning, coming back on the mic today.
0: Yeah, I do have actually. My next guest is Heather Jackson. Oh. Um, that'll come out next <laughs> week. <gonna> like, <laughs>
1: you are stalking me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And then following that, I have a an episode with a, a gravel event promoter who put who put on this race that I did in Pueblo, Colorado, a couple of weeks ago to talk about his event and just kind of his entry to it. I did do an episode probably in Aug, maybe. July um, about gravel racing, so you can go back and listen to that. I think it's I called know. like tips yeah. and tricks. I'm gonna so go it's to just kind that. of like yeah, yeah, some 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 lessons that I've learned since since joining the space.
1: Yeah. Oh, good. That'll be perfect to listen to. Awesome. Can you share one?
0: Yeah, I guess I'd just say practice. I mean, I guess the yeah. the number one thing I would say, and and that's and that kind of it's a it's one simple lesson, but it's kind of everything. It's your nutrition. Yeah. It's your equipment. It's your you know, bike setup. Like just the more the more practice you have you know, doing something, the more, you know, efficient you're going to be at an event because oftentimes you get to the start line and, you know, you start to panic about things, but just be confident in, in what you've done. Cause you know, you've put in the work.
1: Right. And don't try anything new on race day.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yes.
1: Awesome. This has been so great. I mean, to be continued, we will definitely talk again for sure.
0: Yes, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks
1: again for tuning into Marnie on the move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review. In Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website marnieonthemove.com for more info on this episode. Links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019.